Welcome to a new episode of um, Soul Kitchen. Today I'm talking with my friend Arjan Drasas, who is a bird watcher, the world record holder bird watching actually, a writer, a bird guide, and a documentary filmmaker who is so passionate about bird watching that he has the skill to make other people start bird watching uh, as well. I haven't spoken to him in a few uh, few years, so it's actually really nice to uh, to catch up. So, uh, Arjan, how are you doing nowadays? Hey, Jasper. Uh, it's so good to see you after all these years. Um, um, well, I'm I'm doing great actually. Um, well, still birding or bird watching every day, but uh, well, now it seems that uh, um, it's became one of the most popular hobbies here in the Netherlands. So the bird watching business is booming. So I'm I'm very busy lately with uh, all kinds of projects and uh yeah, I, it, I can happily state that my uh, hobby is now my my job and I'm really enjoying that. Yeah. That's amazing because we met for the first time I think when we were 4 years old because my neighbor Maurits Munenwolf was actually your best friend from school. And I remember that you guys were bird watching on, on, on Sundays and Saturdays. Yeah. And at the time, I um, I didn't really understand what was going on. But nowadays, you're you're known for for bird watching. So how <laughs> is it how is it for you that this hobby... Uh, and, and you were sometimes criticized for it, maybe in high school, because people didn't understand what you were yeah. doing. That, that now it has grown into this movement that you're leading and, and people loving it. Uh, it's really funny. So actually, a uh, nice example was uh, a couple of days ago. I was in the Albert Heijn. And I was on the phone in the supermarket. And then uh, uh, a girl, I said, are you a podcast maker? Uh, I said, uh, yes. I said, are you from the Vogels podcast? I said, yes. Uh, so I have a podcast about birdwatching, which was sort of became a hype here in the Netherlands. And... <laughs> <laughs> and she and all her friends were listening to that uh, podcast, and um, and were because of that now uh, now uh, bird watching. So these kind of things, like when I uh, was in like twelve years old, and we went to the same high school, um, I wouldn't dare to uh, uh, go on my bike and and bike uh, past the high school, our high school, with the binoculars around my neck. Because of course I didn't want the the girls in our in our school to see me as a bird like a dusty old bird nerd with a with a <laughs> rustic beard. I want to be cool, but now uh, it turns out that bird watching is suddenly cool, and <laughs> and uh, it's something like uh, that even a lot of young people here in the Netherlands uh, like to do uh, when they uh, 
in their spare time. So uh, yeah, that's really cool how that has uh, turned that, around. That that's really amazing. And what is your your mission with doing all these things? Well, I think uh, uh, nature and our planet is under a lot of pressure. Under uh, um, biodiversity is of course. Uh, under pressure and uh, and natural ecosystems around the world are collapsing and uh, that is something that I'm worried about I worry about that a lot and I think it's really important if you want to change people's mindset uh, you need to first make them uh, like appreciate nature again and uh, fall in love with nature and my mission is to like get as many people as possible well at least into nature and hopefully also into bird watching because birds are like uh, um, the, the advocates of the ecosystems where they live in so you observe birds and you pay attention to them uh, you also get a sense of what's happening or uh, in the ecosystems around the world and then when you appreciate that you might, in the end, also uh, want to do something about that and and uh, get other people to care about it. And eventually, like a movement can be uh, started to actually, um, well, change uh, the mentality of people. So yeah. that is some, a bit of a mission of mine. So you're an advocate for... Um... Yeah, maintaining biodiversity and and for keeping the keeping nature, and by birdwatching, people become more aware of the importance of biodiversity. Is that that's what happens? Yeah, people become more uh, uh, aware of uh, um, their the natural uh, world around them, um, and also uh, they also understand better why some ecosystems are under pressure. For instance. Uh, take the uh, uh, the crisis uh, that is currently happening happening in the Netherlands with uh, uh, nitrogen deposition uh, and all the farmers that are protesting. It's it's uh, that that is rooted in that uh, uh, for decades we've been exploiting uh, um, uh, the our our uh, ecosystems here in the Netherlands, and now something needs to change. Uh, uh, and and the only way to do so is also because there's a lot you see a lot of people uh, they don't understand why they things need to change and they want to keep things the old way but if you understand what is happening uh, in the natural world around you you also uh, understand that something needs to be done and you and you see uh, there's a lack of understanding with a lot of uh, people actually the majority of people here in the Netherlands. And that is war, war, that worries me. So that is something I feel I can help change. I, I see. I think you can definitely play a role because you're a bridge between maybe nature people and maybe uh, urban people. And you exactly, can yeah. Build a bridge. And I think, because I've been following you, of course, since I'm, since I'm four, and I feel your, your big year has been an acceleration of your uh, career or your mission. Yeah. So for people that don't know what this big year is, can you explain what it is? Yeah, so um, a big year is, well, basically what I did is in 2016, uh, I observed the most bird species ever in one calendar year. 
So I observed uh, 6,852 different bird species of the roughly 10,800 species that uh, live around the world. And uh, that was a, a world record, actually. So that still stands. And I, uh, uh, of course, uh, I didn't just want to break a record, but I also want to raise money for uh, conservation. I raised uh, more than 50,000 euros for the BirdLife Preventing Extinction Program. Um, uh, there was a documentary film made about this adventure. I wrote a book about it, and I gave lots of talks about uh, about this big year and about uh, bird watching. And indeed, uh, it was a nice accelerator to all the stuff I'm doing uh, currently. That's that's beautiful. And when did you come up with this idea to do it? Well. Um, Already since I heard about the original big year set by the ornithologist James Clemens in 1989, um, who back then set a record of something like 3,400 and something bird species in one year. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to, to embark on such a, a similar adventure one day. And I heard about this already when I was, I think, maybe 16 I already had the James Clemens checklist of all the birds of the world, a big fat book with all the bird names and subspecies. Mm-hmm. And I meticulously kept track of all the bird species I saw. But in the uh, preface of that book, uh, they discussed that world record that James Clemens, that the checklist is, uh, who, who constructed this checklist, uh, did in 1989. So I heard about this idea and I wanted to do it. Uh, back then, not from a conservation perspective or from through an awareness perspective, but simply because I I wanted to uh, have a, such a, a similar adventure, <laughs> and so this uh, idea uh, was always in the back of my my mind. And then uh, in in 2014, I uh, I was on a Dutch television show called in in the band van de Condor. <laughs> a television show about uh, bird watching where I actually met my girlfriend who I'm still with. She's so, also a bird watcher, right? She's also, yes, she's the ambassador for the Dutch Bird Life Partner. And she's also uh, like me often on television and radio to talk I, about bird I think watching. You, you, it's, it's better for you that you found someone that is also yeah, a bird, easier for you, very, right? Very important, yeah, <laughs> because otherwise it would be quite difficult because. I pretty much uh, talk about birds and bird watching all day. So, yeah, it makes things easier. But anyhow, so uh, that talk show uh, was quite popular in the Netherlands. So I got a lot of exposure. And I thought, let's use that exposure to find some sponsors to do this big year. And um, also, it was after I finished uh, my study of uh, landscape archaeology. And I was just working as a bartender in uh, in a in a pub in Amsterdam. So I had not a lot of uh, commitment or not, not, I was not committed to a job or an office job. So uh, the, I thought this is the moment to do it. And then, uh, well, I planned it for one and a half years. Um, uh, I, I found a lot of sponsors. I got like uh, maybe almost a hundred different uh, bird guides all around the world to help me out. I, I emailed uh, lodges around the world to if I could stay at their 
their place in, in, in exchange for maybe some exposure in my, my blogs or social media. And then I, uh, I had this um, megalomania. Is that the right word? Uh, megalomania? Yeah, this, this crazy plan. This itinerary, that saw me traveling through forty different countries in one continuous uh, ribbon around the world for an entire year, actually a leap year. So I, I timed that as well. So it was three hundred and sixty-six days instead of three hundred sixty-five days. So <laughs> that I so yeah, yeah, one day extra. One day extra. Yeah, <laughs> that's so beautiful. Yeah, and then and then of course um, I just my mentality had changed over years, and I of course thought, well, I'm also going to fly a lot, mm -hmm. which is of course not good for the environment. So I want to to do two things to offset my carbon footprint through a carbon offset uh, program. But I first thought, well, I probably have to plant trees till I'm 90 years old mm -hmm. uh, to compensate for all that tra traveling by plane, but. Uh, it turned out that um, with maybe like uh, thousand euros extra to the total amount, I could compensate my uh, my flights. So I thought that is not enough uh, for all the traveling I will do. So that is why I, how I came to uh, why I contacted BirdLife to see if I could be a BirdLife species champion for the mm -hmm. Preventing Extinctions program and. Uh, that also worked out pretty well, and uh, um, uh, so um, in the end, I traveled around the world for a year. All went well. I didn't get sick for a single day. Uh, I uh, ended up with a world record and raising a lot of money for bird conservation. And well, of course, now I'm here. That's amazing. talking to you about my birding adventures. That's amazing. I, what I like about it is a few things. So one, it was a big ambition that you said. Two, it's something very tangible because it's a one-year adventure. Yeah, it's it's tangible also for other people. Like ah, you can do something in a year. That's truly amazing. And the third thing, it I I believe it has a positive ripple effect, right? For people to see nature and to to care yeah. about it. So that's that's truly amazing and. Part of the Soul Kitchen is also for listeners that they can learn from other people. So I'm curious, mm. what type of qualities uh, do you possess or which were important things that you have mastered to achieve this? Because in a way, you're kind of an athlete. Because yeah, in a way, yeah. It's a marathon. It's a world record holder. So what are the, the qualities that you have and why you could do this? Well, I think uh, the primarily I'm like really just really really passionate about uh, birds and bird watching that is like it, it is not some something like a, um, a, some idiotic record mm -hmm. <laughs> um, um, but it's something that I really love to do and that makes it easy to do something like this for an entire year with very little sleep of course and and uh, hard hardships as well uh, like a uh, soaking red uh, uh, rainforest, high altitudes, uh, cold, heat, and all of that, and then uh, sleeping on airplanes in the back mm -hmm. of cars. So um, you need a drive to do something about like this, and you need to be really passionate about it. So th those are the like primary uh, or factors that were 
needed for this trip. And uh, you need to be like uh, really motivated to to actually uh, actually use uh, a journey like this to um, like become a better person yourself and also to to use it to 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 change something in the world. Yeah, that that that, that is an extra motivation. So so and then no, go ahead, go ahead. Well, and then. And then, of course, there are some qualities that I think pos- that I possess. Is that I, I can, uh, I'm a bit of, a, um, well, I can, I can, I can be really fanatic about something. <laughs> I well, know you know that. that, yeah, from when we played football in high school, <laughs> and when I lost, you well, you can remember how. Uh, <laughs> so I can be really fanatic, and it's actually also a reason why some of my friends refuse to play any board games with me because I simply cannot cope with losing. (laughs) So that's an important, uh, very important uh, um, uh, also factor. Um, And of course, yeah, you you have to be able to cope with uh, traveling every day. And Mm -hmm. uh, like, I I can I can really enjoy uh, good food, but I can also eat uh, canned uh, uh, crappy canned food for two weeks in a row if I if it gets me to a certain location to see a certain bird. Like for instance, in Papua New Guinea, I ate uh, canned sardines with uh, uh, noodles and ketchup for breakfast, lunch, and dinner five days in a row. Yeah, you you have to <laughs> while being completely molested by him or not molested <laughs> but being like ravaged by mosquitoes like continuously 24 7 so you need to be able to cope with those kind of conditions otherwise you cannot do it so yeah so it's that... incredible passion and motivation and uh, you need to have a certain uh, persistence right to keep yeah going. yeah exactly that's the right you, word yeah for you it comes natural and you took an unconventional career path, but I think in your case, you never really questioned it, right? It just, it was clear to yeah. you. I, I already said to my parents uh, and my friends when I was in high school, when people asked me, well, what you're going to do in life? I said, well, something with like, something that has to do with birding. So <laughs> I thought already, maybe I'm going to be a bird guide for a birding company and travel to all these cool places, or maybe I'm going to be a ranger in Africa and then tell people that are visiting this place about all these amazing birds that live there. I always yeah. thought about uh, something like that. And another quality also that I forgot to mention earlier uh, that that would also have been great with these other plans that I had is that I uh, I think uh, I am uh, I'm a storyteller. Mm-hmm. So I I I really enjoy telling cool stories about my bird watching adventures or about special birds that I observed and to get people enthusiastic about yeah. them yeah. as enthusiastic as I am about them. Yeah. And and that is maybe even the most important. Uh, yeah. Quality. I think you're a great storyteller. People love to listen uh, to your stories and even Humberto Tan, uh, the famous Dutch yeah. television guy got really excited. Yeah. He became a good friend of mine. Yeah. And I want to hear a bit more about that in a second, but I'm also curious do you have certain because you you're able to move a lot of people and create a lot of awareness? Do you have, mm-hmm. have certain strategies also 
or does it purely no, come no. from No, that comes naturally. So I'm really uh, untragedized. Is that the right <laughs> word? So it's quite funny. It, it it happens quite naturally. So also what is really uh, funny is that I never signed a contract. Ah. So I never, I had like 20 different sponsors for a big year. I never once signed a contract. It was all a mutual understanding or, uh, well, of course, for maybe a, a contract when, I, when I'm on a, on a talk show to talk about birds and I cannot discuss any sponsors or whatever. But but I never signed like a contract for uh, somebody or a lodge or a guide or a, or a, or a sponsor. It all happens naturally. That's, it uh, all happens so, naturally. Yeah, and also, also uh, like preparing for a talk. I, I usually don't. I just... Or, or even when I need speech somewhere, I just yeah. do it. I, it yeah. happens naturally. Yeah, I see. So you don't have a strategy, but really this passion, no. the motivation, the storytelling, and the mission. Yeah. And you're onto something long-term, right? And I think people feel that. It's not like a short-term. Yeah. It's a long Yeah, and people sense that I'm really honest and passionate about it. That helps. So I don't do business plans, and I don't do... <laughs> no. I don't do... It's a, And I... Very much, I, I I care way more about uh, um, uh, like my hobby and enjoying bird watching than I care about making money. So that's yeah. also people sense that I guess when when they meet up and then they feel more uh, ready to actually also uh, commit financially to so to a project because yeah. I don't really care about. Yeah, then it flow it flows more easily. Yeah, right? Now I have I have people doing that for me. So I have an agent, a literary agent, and uh, I organize all my tours via platform. So it become became more easy. I can now focus even more only about what I love to do, and that is yeah. bird watching. <laughs> yeah, that's that's beautiful. And then about Humberto Tan, we talked about it. So so yeah. he's a Dutch television presenter for the people that don't know him. So how did he get so excited and, and what did it mean for you to have such a figure on your side? Because I remember that you were like my classmate and then suddenly this Dutch television guy is, is burning with you. So yeah. what did it mean to you? Yeah, he, he, he means a lot to me. He's a real in, inspirator for me. Uh, and um, well, of course, he, he uh, it started in 2015 when I uh, uh, suddenly was invited uh, to be on his show, RTL Late Night, and to talk about my upcoming adventure, my big year. And um, there was one uh, thing. So I was uh, 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 with somebody that, uh, like one of the, uh, the organize, people who organized the shows, and they said, well, uh, uh, we would like to invite you on RTL Late Night, but before that, uh, beforehand, Umberto Tan wants to go bird watching with you for one oh, morning. Cool. <laughs> yeah, and so we met up, and I met him for the first time, and immediately there was a like connection, and he enjoyed uh, uh, that morning of bird watching so much uh, that he he stayed there in the dunes with me for like uh, hours, mm-hmm. <laughs> and after that, uh, after RTL late night, uh, we went uh, birding. Uh, another time and a, and a second time and a third time and then at the end eventually he said is it possible to maybe join for a week or so while <laughs> you're doing this? so I thought well he's this really really famous person 
who knows nothing about birds. Is this a good idea? But, well, what the heck? And then he said, are you going to Suriname? I said, yeah, I'm going to Suriname early July. He said, well, that's where I uh, grew up. So, because he's uh, from a Suriname background. Yeah. And then uh, he said, maybe I can join there. I thought, yeah, he's never going to do it. And then a week later, he suddenly had a ticket, plane ticket to Suriname. Mm -hmm. So there I was. And when you are in the jungle with, with somebody looking for birds, and actually we saw the most awesome bird of bird of all together, the harpy eagle, which is mm -hmm. the, one of the biggest and rarest and coolest birds of prey in the world, actually the largest eagle in the world. And we saw that bird together, and that, that created such a bond. And then mm -hmm. when, I, when I finished the big year, I kept in contact with Umberto, and, uh, and uh, we went birding many times, and eventually I... He invited me to be on his uh, radio show every week to talk about birds. And he became a real ambassador for me and my passion for birding. Yeah. So he also did the voiceover for my documentary. And always when he has an idea for some television format or something that where he can also uh, um, get me involved, he, he will. He never, he always takes time for that which i really appreciate because everyone everybody wants something to do with him and and needs him for stuff yeah and, and, and uh, so that is really cool so everyone needs needs him because of course he has a television press and you know people want to increase their reach maybe through him but, but yeah, he, i just enjoy uh, uh like talks like chatting with him about yeah yeah our, our shared passion. he i have a passion for birds and he has a passion for people with a passion that is uh, yeah. what he always told me. That's amazing. And that's similar to me because I was wondering why am I this interviewer? Why do am I doing a podcast? But I just want to meet incredible, incredibly passionate people like yourself. Yeah, to get motivated. Yeah, for my own motivation. And then also share that motivation with the world. Yeah, but it nice. took me a while to really accept that I that podcasting could be kind of a full-time thing for me. And recently I was like, now I'm going to do it because I, I enjoy it so much. Yeah. So how... You have always found this passion, but some people don't find their passion so early on. No. So what do you feel is in the way for people to act on their passions? Well, one thing is that you need somebody that is passionate about something to show you the way. Mm -hmm. So the best example is if we, you have a really passionate history teacher or, uh, or uh, and, and you already have maybe somewhere tucked deep inside you a passion for history somebody uh, you need somebody uh, like a spark to ignite the flame mm -hmm. uh, and, and then that flame will burn and throughout your life but well something like that can happen at a very early age in my exam uh, in my case with with bird watching probably uh well maybe a i think a ranger somewhere in 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 malawi where I went uh, on, a, on holiday when I was eight years old with my parents, and he was really passionate about birds and birding. And, and maybe there I got like first infected with the bird-watching virus mm -hmm. at a very young age. And then, like, but if you, if you, if you, maybe it could have been some, something else. Like, maybe it would have been if that guy was really interested in, in mammals or butterflies, it could have been that. But I always had a 
an interest in, in, in nature. Uh, but you, yeah, you need somebody to inspire you. It's the same with, with cooking. <laughs> you can have somebody, some people really hate, uh, for instance, uh, cauliflower because always, uh, and the, uh, their, uh, their, their mom made it like in a, like non exciting way. Mm -hmm. overcooked the cauliflower and, it, and and you can also have cauliflower made by a chef who's really passionate about cooking a cauliflower in three different ways with mm -hmm. <laughs> and then suddenly you appreciate that cauliflower for what it really is and also the technique involved and you suddenly can develop a passion for for cooking so, so it's, you need, it's, it's, need someone to show you the way That's yeah it. that can help a lot if you cannot if if you can't uh uh develop something like that all through yourself or by yourself you need somebody to show you the way and that happens a lot with my uh, uh bird watching hobby now mm -hmm. because uh, of that podcast i i also have <laughs> this podcast the folks podcast, podcast and suddenly right? you have people that that so i've during the 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 first lockdown corona lockdown um uh, people had nothing else to do than go outside and and take walks in nature And uh, many people listen to a podcast. So people started listening to my podcast about bird watching, and they suddenly realized, well, I'm listening to a podcast while walking through a park mm -hmm. or the dunes. And then uh, they thought, well, let's maybe, after listening to this podcast about bird watching, maybe I should go with my binoculars. <laughs> and, say, yeah. and, and then suddenly they, they find out, oh, And now I understand why these guys in this podcast are so excited about birdwatching because it's fun. And they, and they, well, a month ago, they were still uh, like jogging with uh, ear pods in uh, through this park. They are now uh, walking through the same park uh, with uh, binoculars and a, a little bird book. And, uh, <laughs> and they became a birdwatcher. And if, and if I, oh, and I'm, I'm now 35 and I could have done this all my life, but oh, uh, I, I, I now understand what I've been missing all my life. And that, that's, yeah, that's, 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 that's so people suddenly figure out that this bird watching is really, really yeah, you cool. need a spark to ignite the flame. Yeah. So, what role did your parents play maybe in exciting you for this path? Yeah. Well, they are not uh, bird watchers in that sense, as I am a bird watcher, but they, uh, I'm, I'm an only child. And they were, of course, really happy that their kid had an interest in nature and they fully supported me all the way so mm -hmm. when i uh, every weekend my mom uh took me to the Oostvaardersplasse and tessel and all these exciting bird watching places and they never stood in between me and my hobby so mm -hmm. also when i went i told them about this crazy adventure i want to do this big year this year of Of, of bird watching around the world mm -hmm. they, even then they were supportive and my dad said well i can do the back office and uh, and, uh, and and help you with that and my mom helped me with uh, with uh, with all, all these uh, 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 things that, that need to take care of during my uh, the planning of my big year so they were they're really supportive all the way and i think that is also something when you're uh, that i could give people as an advice not necessarily for himself but when they have kids when you find out that your kid has a, a passion for something and is really excited about about something even 
you at that time you are worried will he or she get a job can she can he or she make a living from this then still support them every step of the way because when somebody's really excited you can better be 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 really passionate about something and have something for fulfilling in your life uh and then to be really rich and have a an office job that you don't care about really and, yeah. uh, and have all this mat materialistic stuff i can be very happy just by being in the dunes with my binoculars i don't need more yeah or more i don't need a fancy car and a fancy fancy house and all. So, so because i yeah so your recommendation for parents is to really sustain the passion of their their children yeah yeah of course uh, that that you you have to consider yourself really lucky uh when your your kid has a passion for something and of course you, uh it's also uh, you, you will have more time for yourself <laughs> because <laughs> your kids can uh, can can enjoy can can, can enjoy themselves benefit, right <laughs> yeah yeah but i i believe that um uh, even though your parents might not be bird watchers i believe your dad is an adventurer like yourself didn't he yeah. spend like seven years in china or something can yeah, you, can you seven it? years in the movie. Seven years in Tibet is based on him. No, oh, no, I'm joking. Wow. What did he do? What did he do? <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. No, but he he did travel a lot. Uh, he traveled, I think, on and off for ten years or so through, uh, especially Asia and mm -hmm. especially the Himalayas. And he he, he hitchhiked uh, uh, for, through Mongolia and uh, and and India for years. And uh, for for he, he worked as a part-time photographer to travel through china he was actually one of the last people to visit uh, before it closed uh, the forbidden city in tibet mm -hmm. and uh um yeah he had a bit of a travel agency when he lived in singapore and so he that that adventure like uh, the, the, being a free spirit that's something that i inherited from my from my uh, from my dad and also my mom she was a travel agent so also from uh, from my mom. So uh, uh, yeah, that that is something that 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 sense of adventure is something that I inherited uh, probably from that through them. If you have that example, it becomes easier maybe to 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 have this free free spirit. Yes, yes, that's true. And also, I do fully understand uh, that I am very lucky in the sense that my parents had uh, it was possible for my parents to support me in that sense uh, because I can understand a lot of uh, there are a lot of kids that are from a less privileged background and it's and then it becomes more difficult to follow your passion and your dreams because uh, of course um, yeah you have to also worry about other things uh, so I what I do really uh, every day I consider myself very lucky to be able to to have follow my dreams every step of the way yeah and it's also because of the the support of my parents and my uh yeah. yeah yeah it's it's true of course sometimes if you come from a privileged background it's easier but it doesn't mean not everyone acts on it right so it's still no, no but i have a good example of uh, somebody that i really admire and that is a guy in the uk the urban birder the urban and, birder yeah um he's uh um um, he's a guy, uh, a black guy who mm -hmm. grew up uh, in uh, uh, um, 
somewhere uh, in 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 the UK, mm-hmm. and uh, and actually he didn't have the uh, the money and uh, and the and uh, and the support to uh, travel all over the place, and uh, mm-hmm. so he started bird watching simply in the parks of London. Mm-hmm. I think that's where he grew up, and then he he became the urban birder, and mm-hmm. he also through his passion he managed to now become this uh, this figure in the bird watching scene and and actually he did it all by himself so also even then you can you can always follow your dreams yeah no it's true you don't need you don't need a lot to, to do that so no tell me more about your books because you've written two books what yeah. are the messages of these books yeah so the first one is about my big year um and uh of course the it's simply a book about this adventure but it's also a book about what we discussed um uh, what we've discussed the last 45 minutes mm-hmm. and that is about following your your passion and how i was uh, infected by the bird watching virus at a very young age so i i look back at my life and all these uh steps that i took uh when i was a kid and now I gradually became more fanatic and more passionate about bird watching. So that's the first book. And then my second book is uh, focused primarily on the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, uh, it's about uh, all the ecosystems in the Netherlands. And it's about uh, how climate change affects uh, birds and uh, the, their environment in the Netherlands and, and how our industrialized farmer, farming and how we uh, 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 how we tackle all the uh, modern day problems with with drought and 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 uh, um, um, watershed. Um, uh, I I address all these things in my book and how that relates to birds and bird migration and and, uh, and the seasons and and yeah. So so that's yeah. my second book. That's your second book. And they're also going to be distributed internationally, right? Yeah, the first book. The, first. the second book is completely only for the Netherlands. But yeah. the first book is now being, uh, as we speak, being translated by Chelsea Green Publishing. And wow. that will be published this winter in the UK and also in the US. Wow. So that's really cool. So even for, because this podcast is in English for everyone listening in and uh, in English, you can now... Uh, also soon read my book and also my documentary film is yeah. available through my website and yeah. also we have found an uh, in english uh, uh native speaker to uh, to narrate all things so uh, you can actually watch the thing in english it's amazing so people can buy the book and and listen to the documentary so yeah. tell us a bit more um because at some point I remember you said this is crazy. They want to make a documentary about my year. So how did that process happen? And, and now that's so really funny. <laughs> so the documentary was not made by some random person, but it was made by Michiel van der Berg. Okay, and that's actually a friend of mine. So mm-hmm. so he's a good friend of mine. Uh, also a fanatic bird watcher and a really driven guy. Really smart. Probably one of the smartest people I know. He now works for the World Wildlife Fund. In, uh, and he lives in Suriname, mm-hmm. but back then he was uh, he was doing a PhD, and uh, and uh, and he uh, he like just I think one and a half months before I I would start I would have st- started my big year. He said, "I really somebody needs to make a documentary out of this." 
And then, well, if I can't find anyone, I will do it. And then, mm. in a month time or so, he found a camera, cameraman. He found some uh, sponsors, some budget, and then he he actually uh, so he visited me in this on uh, Sulawesi in mm -hmm. Indonesia, and he uh, in Ghana, West Africa, and then also in uh, Suriname. Mm -hmm. And then he, uh, yeah, he filmed there with a cameraman, John Treffer. And, uh, yeah, he managed to edit everything into this crazy documentary. Mm. And uh, it became a huge success. So, yeah. So yeah. that is how we... And it's also... So you have all these uh, documentaries uh, from, like, crazy documentaries with uh, for, shot by the BBC. And then it's seven years of filming, 100 different camera screws traveling all over the world. We simply had one camera guy who also did all the sound, and we had uh, one director, and, and then me as a subject. That's, that's it. it. And it became a success, well, local success, I have to say. But So you didn't have to write a script, you, you just did your thing, basically. Yes, I did my thing, but Michiel did write a voiceover and all that stuff. Mm, uh, I see, but yeah. no script. No, well, he did. He, he did say um, uh, so. Some like the Sulawesi part, Michiel planned that, mm -hmm. and uh, he, he wanted me to suffer. So it was, of course, better for <laughs> for the audience. Mm -hmm. So we, I slept on there in the crazy primitive conditions under a. Uh, just a, a plastic blanket, uh, plastic cover in a mosquito-infected uh, rainforest with like two nights, two hours of sleep every night in yeah. the rainy season. And then uh, actually it was the camera guy, John, who who almost uh, had a nervous breakdown. <laughs> but <laughs> in the end we pulled, pulled through and it made for a really cool documentary. Mm -hmm. That's... That's incredible what you, how much you've done and, and learned along the way. And you're working on a new documentary or new film? Yes, I'm uh, currently uh, shooting a... Uh, of course, I've, I've became better myself and as a documentary filmmaker. And this time I'm uh, shooting a documentary about uh, uh, Dutch nature called Nederland Waterland Vogelland, which means mm -hmm. uh, the Netherlands, uh, country of water, country of birds, basically. Uh, and it uh, is a four-part documentary. Uh, uh, first part, winter, spring, summer, autumn. And uh, yeah, bird migration is really important in the documentary and how we, uh, um, uh, how uh, the role of water, because Netherlands is basically a huge delta, and, and how that changed over time. So it's also a bit of uh, the same storyline as my book. And then I'm shooting this already for years with a really professional film crew who are making all these crazy uh, uh, shots in very high quality. So really, really awesome. More than 100 bird species will figure in the documentary. Wow. Yeah, and that's and almost finished. So yeah. With this documentary, do you want to encourage behavioral change in people? Yeah. Yeah, that's really important. That's the, the biggest mo motivator in this uh, documentary is to people to make people fall in love with nature in the Netherlands. Because many documentaries in the Netherlands about uh, nature are always focused on uh, like uh, Antarctica or uh, the Amazon jungle or the African savanna. While also here in the Netherlands, we have fascinating nature. It is just uh, like 
people, I, I saw it yesterday on the Slims to Men's, this really popular television show, and they showed a picture of a magpie. Mm -hmm. And then all three candidates didn't know how, what it was, what, what species of bird it was. Mm. That illustra is illustrative of the lack of interest in nature. Of course, yeah. that is changing, and I myself hope to contribute to that, and I think I am. But still, a lot of people don't give a crap about nature and what is happening there. Yeah. And that is, of course, we are so much part of nature and so much dependent on nature. And the Netherlands will be heavily affected by the biodiversity crisis and climate change. So it is vital that people start to care about, uh, yeah. about so their local nature. We, we're not different from nature because we all come from the same source. Yeah, exactly. we're not we are an animal. We yeah. are not uh, some higher being. We are oh. simply part of the ecosystem. Yeah. Part of, part of the, the ecosystem. And you want people to care more about nature, to become more aware. But yes. if you look at the daily basis, what practical steps do you hope people will take? Well, from, from something very simple as like um, many people here in the Netherlands, they like, they have a garden, but their garden simply consists of cement and bricks. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Instead of nice uh, 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 green with a lot of insects, so I, I want people to to simply change their garden because <laughs> mm -hmm. I think that I, you, I think the the cities in the Netherlands, because we are a heavily populated country, the cities in 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 a couple of decades might like become these biodiversity hubs, like between. Uh, between the eco bet, between the national parks and mm -hmm. so so i think that that is one thing but also people's be behavior um make them uh uh think about maybe voting for a green green party uh a political party or uh buy different pro products uh that are products that 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 are better for the environment mm -hmm. uh and and uh, well it sounds a bit hypocritical but uh, get them to travel less all over the world, but uh, <laughs> more locally. Sounds <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, <laughs> a bit hypocritical, yeah. But uh, you're traveling a lot, right? Yeah, but I try to uh, travel to compensate for all the traveling I did 2016 now by traveling less. And uh, but uh, but I think there are yeah, and also to what I what we discussed earlier, really important. To stimulate your kids and your grandkids, and uh, when you're a teacher, the kids in your class, to care about nature and to, because I think every child in essence is a naturalist. Like you just have to give them a, a bucket and a fishing net and a magnifying glass and then let them loose in your garden and they will find a way, they will really enjoy it, studying all the bugs and the, the frogs and the salamanders. And then, and then you can, you can. Uh, you can ignite that 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 so, spark. So we should care more about nature, stimulate our children to care about nature, and, and, and we can start in our own garden. I think that's a really good oh. piece of advice. Yeah, and you can start close close to home. Yeah, you don't yeah. need to travel to Papua New Guinea at first. No, no, no. That's good advice. And you you are thirty five right now, like me. Thank you, thank you. I'm thirty six. Thirty six. You're I do look 35. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're 36. So at a quite a young age, you have achieved a lot in your career, even oh, though you. even though you might not call it a career, but you might call it a calling. But yeah. if you look like five years from now, 10 years from now, 
Do you have certain big dreams that are still on your agenda? Yes, yes. So again, uh, with regards to children's uh, to children, I am. I will now start. I already started writing a children's book mm-hmm. about birds to get kids more uh, involved. And I want to uh, every uh, year or two years, I want to have a big project like a new book or a new documentary to to really grow and grow and reach out to more and more people. To be, I'm, I'm, I, I basically uh, my aim is to become the the David Edinburgh of birds in the Netherlands, or ah. or maybe even globally. That that's what I want. I want to inspire as many people as possible, and uh, and really uh, like uh, contribute to a, a movement where people. I think we are on the. We need as a, as as mankind. There's one like last conservative uh, hub that we need to to take before we we and we will will lose a lot of nature in the process unfortunately what but also conservative hop yeah like a hobble a hobble um, ah so we need to um to make a jump but what do you mean with you mean conservative or you said conservative yeah like, like cons- conservative uh, like 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 we uh we have to we are now on the verge of 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 big change i think and 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 there are still some forces that are that are working against that 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 change uh but if we can manage to 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 create a wave and then and then get as many people uh excited about nature and interested in in saving the planet then we might uh, pull through as mankind in the end yeah i see so we need to shift our how i see it we need to shift our definition of success from exactly yeah material and financial gain focus on that exactly happiness well-being balancing with nature it's it's a shift in definition right yeah and it's also your people will i think that will really make you happy and not uh not all this materialistic crap that, that is that is not happiness i think that is just a a a, a crazy uh, hollow construct of happiness that that we fabricated. It's, it's, I think that needs to change. Yeah. So then we agree. So what what to you is the meaning of life? We're getting a bit philosophical now. Uh, the meaning of life. Well, to be happy and to be uh, have a have a sense of being part of of nature and 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 being humble in, in in that part in playing that part and um doing something that you love and uh being passionate about that and not uh, uh doing something the rest of your life that you are actually not passionate about and then when you are 65 or 70 you look back at, back at your life and and think well what the hell have i done all that time why why i think you made Made the fantastic career choice in that. I know you worked for a big multinational company. Yeah. Seems like ages ago, but you you changed that. You Thank could have been uh, maybe a millionaire uh, if you went on continued along that path. But you you made that change and you yeah. choose choose happiness and a humble lifestyle. And yeah. I think you you made a wonderful choice in doing so. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I agree. It looks it feels like a century ago. Um, yeah. 
but I've, I've chosen a life that is more focused on on purpose and happiness and, and, exactly. and, and well-being and and that's also my purpose with this podcast i'm inviting people that i find truly inspiring and no. in my in my case contribute to this shift of of definition of success and i think no. that, that's what i want to um inspire people with so you no. say happiness humbleness passion balance yeah. in nature so these are all elements of the uh, the meaning of life and um um yeah what, what else do i want to ask do you feel um a lot of people uh, understand this or, or do you feel there's still a, a, a small amount of people that understand the meaning of life uh, more and more people uh I think like there's a change in uh, the definition of happiness. It, it's been very materialistic for mm-hmm. uh, for, dec- for 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 a long, long time. But you see a movement of people that really don't care about that, and and that is growing, a growing movement. But it also, um, uh, unfortunately, there is also a growing movement of people that are really opposed to that, and mm-hmm. that is course why we have so much polarization uh, in the world and that is sad that is also happening yeah 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 there's still in some areas still a lot of focus on growth right economic growth. Yeah, also, also you see this i think that is something that trump really uh created there is this hate against nature yeah eh? not, it's really not hate, just, right? i can understand why you why you might not enjoy uh, um, bird watching as much as I do, but then some people see nature as a threat, and they they want to be control nature. I think nature, every environmentalist is an idiot, and uh, and 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 I do not understand that hate for something that you are so much, very much a part of, yeah. and that the end that that could cause our, our demise, and yeah. then uh, that is uh, also. Uh, a movement that I'm very afraid of, and I, I hope uh, a movement that will die in the end. But uh, create yeah, a sentiment yeah. of separation that we're separate yes. from nature, whereas we are part of it. Yes, and that is that is very dangerous and very stupid. Uh, yeah, yeah, beautiful, some beautiful wisdom. And I think you had a long day. You've had some excursions today. Yeah, I started my day started. Alarm uh, went off at uh, five. 10 in the morning tell tell us how your day was today because listeners want to understand the average day of a world record holder bird oh, yeah. well it's, it's it's not that interested so i woke up really early <laughs> and i went uh, to the oostvaardersplatz and had 12 eager um um birder beginner bird watchers waiting for me and then uh, we uh, went on a four-hour walk through the oostvaardersplatz we Actually observed. I just made the checklist. That's also mm-hmm. something I need to do. Uh, we we saw we observed. Also heard a couple uh, ninety two different bird species that morning, including eight different white tailed eagles, which is the biggest uh, raptor in northwestern Europe. So that was quite exciting, and uh, and it was really cool. And then uh, I had a meeting about my children's book with my literary agent, and I had a call for some. Um, uh, uh, some uh, talk I need to give next week, and I had a call about uh, some. Well, I'm, I'm another project that I cannot talk about yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and uh, and then uh, and now I have this uh, cool interview with you. So yeah. uh, that's basically it. That's and how. Then, and then after this, I do my. I will start uh, doing my other greatest passion, and that is cooking. So I'm really. Ah. Uh, that's why I have some cooking metaphors. <laughs> that that's good. So maybe we can finish this episode. Uh, the Soul Kitchen. It's it's kind of a kitchen for the soul where listeners yeah. can find recipes for life. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're a cook. You're a chef. You're a world yeah. record holder. You're 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 a very passionate bird watcher. What is your if you can, could share one recipe for life with the listener? Which which would it be? Uh, as an ingredient, or, uh, not a literal eating ingredient, but more recipe. But but as a well, uh, take a, a nice big slice of uh, passion, <laughs> add, a, add a little perseverance, uh, and then um, um, maybe um, um, see the world a bit, take some ingredients that are you are not familiar with, add them to your recipe, <laughs> let it simmer for a while. <laughs> Um, let it grow and then uh, let it rise <laughs> and then um, uh, yeah um, um, elaborate on that uh, recipe uh, by also listening to others uh, and um, then uh, really believe that this recipe will be the best recipe in the world and then uh, all, use only organic and biological ingredients <laughs> very important <laughs> that's amazing i think this is a perfect yeah. recipe i really want to thank you yeah. and a vegetarian of course vegetarian eating. <laughs> vegetarian eating i think that's a good final recommendation Arjan, I, I really enjoyed catching up with you we haven't yeah, likewise in a long time it was too long yeah, we'll we'll do we'll catch up for dinner uh, soon yes. when you're in the Netherlands. Let me when know. When I'm in the Netherlands, we will we will have some dinner. Nicole. Yeah. Thank you very much for your time and for the people listening. Thank you for listening, and I hope to see you soon. Ciao. Bye. Ciao. Ciao.